Section forty five of The Mysteries of London, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gray Clayton. The Mysteries of London, Volume Three by George W. M. Reynolds. Section forty five. Chapter forty four. Mr. Frank Curtis again. In the meantime, Thomas Rainford had quitted the abode of Lady Hatfield with a heavy heart. For the duty which he had felt himself called upon to perform, in making a particular statement to Georgiana, had pained, acutely pained, his generous soul. He had not proceeded many yards from that lady's dwelling when he suddenly encountered Mr. Frank Curtis, and as at that precise moment the glare of a lamp streamed full upon Rainford's countenance, he was immediately recognised by that impertinent young gentleman. "'Ah, Captain Sparks!' ejaculated Frank. "'So we meet again, do we? "'Well, it's very fortunate that I did not accept my friend the Duke's invitation to his select dinner-party, or else I should have missed this pleasure. "'Now what is to prevent me from collaring you, my fine fellow, and raising a hue and cry?' "'Fear, Mr. Curtis, fear will prevent you,' returned Tom Rain recovering all his wonted presence of mind and taking the young man's arm he said walk a little way with me i want to have a few minutes chat with you here put your hand on my great coat pocket that's right now you can feel a pistol inside eh well its companion is in the other pocket and you must know enough of me already to be fully aware that any treachery on your part would meet with its reward for i would shoot you in the open street if you attempted to place my liberty in danger i'm sure i-i-i don't want to injure you captain sparks stammered frank trembling from head to foot as he walked along arm in arm with the highwayman i always took you for a capital fellow and i should very much like to drink a bottle of wine with you what do you say shall we go into the gloucester or hatchets neither one nor the other mr curtis interrupted rainford i thank you for your civility all the same oh it's nothing captain i learnt politeness in france where to be sure i had excellent i may say peculiar advantages the king was very much attached to me and as for the ladies of the court oh don't ask me to speak about them captain sparks indeed i will not returned tom dryly i want you to let me know how your uncle gets on does he still remember that pleasant little adventure ha <laughs> ha and the highwayman's merry laugh donated that his spirits were reviving once more sir christopher oh the old fool don't talk to me about him ejaculated frank curtis i've done with my uncle i shall cut him i can never speak of him again captain sparks he has disgraced himself disgraced his family which was a very ancient one i always thought sir christopher made a boast of having risen from nothing said tom ironically ah so he did but that was only part of his system of gammoning people continued frank his family was originally the celebrated blondevilles of france about three thousand years ago they settled in scotland and their name was corrupted to blundevit and then a branch came to england about fifteen hundred years ago and in process of time they spent their name with a t blunteville at last the e was left out and it became blunteville and god only knows why but three hundred and seventy-seven years ago come next michaelmas the vill was dropped and the name settled down into a simple blunt 
so you see captain that sir christopher is of a good family after all why don't you try and get a situation in the herald's college demanded rainford you'd be able to find pedigrees for all the browns jones thompsons and smiths in the country come come captain sparks exclaimed frank this observation isn't fair on your part i may have my faults i know i have but don't shoot with the longbow i hate that kind of thing but let us return to the subject of your uncle sir christopher said tom what's he been doing run away with a lady's maid gone to gretna with lady hatfield's female servant charlotte cried frank with great bitterness of tone the damned old fool but i'll cut him cut him dead and that's some consolation gone to gretna with lady hatfield's maid exclaimed rainford maid indeed i hope he'll find her so said curtis the hussy but i'll be even with her yet and when did this happen inquired tom ah only a few days ago they're not come back yet i dare say sir christopher already repents his bargain but i'll cut him i'm afraid if you cut his acquaintance he'll cut off your supplies observed rainford jocosely but what does that matter ejaculated frank do you think there are no rich women in london that will be glad to have a decent-looking fellow like myself gad i've already got introduced to a widow as wealthy as if her late husband had been a nabob it's true that she's blessed with five pledges of the said late husband's affection but when she's got five thousand a year and one five is a good set-off against the other captain sparks rather so eh old fellow well i think it is returned the highwayman but how did all this happen about sir christopher and the lady's maid i'll tell you answered curtis you see sir christopher was going to run away with miss mordaunt lady hatfield's friend and i found it out in one of my clever ways so i resolved to balk sir christopher and i bribed this lady's maid charlotte in fact i gave her five hundred pounds and a gold watch the hussy to go to the appointment get into the carriage personate miss julia mordaunt and keep up the farce until they got to st albans where me and a parcel of my friends were to be at the inn to receive them that was to be the joke and how did the joke turn so completely against yourself asked tom why me and my friends waited and waited and waited at the infernal hotel at st albans and no sir christopher no charlotte came we had a glorious supper and made a regular night of it all next day we waited and waited again but no sir christopher no charlotte what the devil can this mean thought i to myself so i came up to london leaving my friends at the inn in st albans in pawn for the bill for somehow or another none of us had enough money about us to settle it but when i came back to town i went home that is you know to my uncle's house in german street and there i found a letter that had just come for me by the post it was written from some town a good way north and it was from sir christopher i began to think something was wrong and sure enough there was for when i opened the letter i found that my silly old uncle had written to thank me for throwing in his way a delightful and most amiable woman who had consented to take his name and share his fortune the letter went on to say that they were then pretty far on the road to gretna and that as they should stop at st albans as they came back i might be there if i choose to have the pleasure of handing my aunt out of the carriage 
that was all said to irritate me you know captain sparks and most likely that vixen charlotte made sir christopher write the letter just to annoy me but i'll cut them both dead and we shall see what my precious aunt for such she is by this time i suppose will say then this is really a very pleasant little adventure cried tom rain but i think you carried your joke too far mr curtis and so it has recoiled upon yourself have you seen mr torrens lately not i exclaimed curtis but don't you confess captain that you carried matters a trifle too far that night never mind the two thousand pounds i'm glad my old hunks of an uncle lost that but i allude to the affair of helping the gals to run away i suppose you were in league with villiers all the time what makes you think that villiers had anything to do with the matter inquired rainford simply because i don't imagine you carried off the gals for your own sake however continued frank i care but little about the matter now i certainly liked adelais very much at the time but there are plenty of others in the world quite as handsome besides i now see through all sir christopher's trickery in wanting me to marry miss torrance in such a deuce of a hurry and in giving me a separate establishment the old bird wanted to commit matrimony himself and i should have been poked off with a few paltry hundreds a year and so you will now said tom or matters may be even worse after the trick you endeavoured to play upon your uncle not a bit of it cried tom had old blunt's scheme succeeded i should have been married to a portionless gal and forced to live on whatever he chose to give me now that his project has failed i am free and unshackled and can secure myself a position by marriage i might even look as high as my friend the duke's niece but she is horribly ill-tempered and so i think of making an offer of my heart and hand i can do the thing well if i like you know captain to mrs goldbury the widow i spoke of just now the name sounds well i confess observed tom but did your uncle never i mean did he not instruct his lawyer to adopt any proceedings about that little affair of the two thousand pounds not he captain exclaimed frank curtis as far as my uncle is concerned you may rest quite satisfied that he will never take any notice of the business and howard wouldn't act without his instructions they had now reached charing cross and tom rain having had quite enough of mr curtis's company signified his desire that they should separate you won't pass an hour with me over a bottle of wine said the young man i really should like to have a chat with such a gallant dashing fellow as you are captain for you're quite after my own heart barring the the highway business eh cried tom laughing why you cannot for a minute suppose that it is my regular profession mr curtis no such a thing i merely eased you of the two thousand pounds for the joke of it just as you played off your tricks on sir christopher you talk about easing me captain returned frank but i can assure you that you're the first man that ever got the better of me don't fancy for a moment that i-i'm a coward captain sparks far from it my dear sir exclaimed tom i know you to be as brave as you are straightforward in your conversation so good-night and pray take care not to follow me for i've an awkward habit of turning round and knocking on the head any one that i imagine to be watching me with these words the highwayman hurried off up the strand and frank curtis entered a cigar shop muttering to himself damn the fellow i almost think he melt that for insolence egad if he did the next time i meet him 
but the valiant young gentleman did not precisely make up his mind what he should do in the case supposed and any resentment which he experienced speedily evaporated with the soothing influence of a cheroot meantime tom rain pursued his way along the strand and fleet street and repaired to the lodgings of mr clarence villiers in bridge street that gentleman was at home and received his visitor in a very friendly manner you are most welcome captain sparks he said and the more so if you intend to pass an hour or two with me for my aunt is so very particular that she would take the girls to church with her this evening but of course i did not offer to accompany them as i could not wear a veil over my face you know he added laughing and were i recognised by mr torrens or any of his friends attention would be immediately directed to any ladies who might happen to be in my company so i shall not visit old burlington street this evening i cannot possibly remain many minutes interrupted rainford in fact i am going to leave england very shortly leave england ejaculated clarence i am truly sorry to hear that announcement just as we begin to get friendly together circumstances compel me to take this step answered rainford and my time for preparation is short i have called to-night upon business for in a word you can do me a service perhaps if you will as if there were any doubt relative to my inclination provided i have the power exclaimed clarence who was busily employed in decanting a bottle of port wine and then having placed upon the table two glasses which he filled he said you know captain sparks that i am under the greatest obligation to you through your kind your generous intervention adelais will be mine the bands were published at st george's hanover square a second time to-day and to-morrow week we shall be united the bridal breakfast will take place at my aunt's shall we not have the pleasure of your company pray do not refuse me it is impossible much as i should rejoice at being the witness of that union which no severe or mercenary father will be able to subvert said rainford in a feeling tone my affairs compel me to leave this country at least for a time and for that reason i am anxious to place in your hands a certain document the mystery of which some accident might probably lead you to clear up rainford then produced the letter which had been found upon the person of the deceased sarah watts and which he now requested villiers to peruse you observe that there is no address to indicate the name of the lady to whom that letter was written continued the highwayman when clarence had read it with attention the child to whom it refers is now in my care accident threw him in my way and his adoptive mother who was the writer of that letter is no more will the child accompany you asked villiers he will but i will write to you the moment i reach america to which country i am going and let you know my address or at all events through what channel a letter will come direct to me then should you have made any discovery which is however scarcely to be expected still as a wise precaution i have adopted this step you are right captain said villiers and i shall not forget the trust you have now confided to me should anything transpire respecting this matter i will not fail to communicate with you but will you not pass one evening with me in the society of my aunt and the two young ladies who will all be delighted to receive you mrs slingsby is a most amiable and excellent woman 
a little of a saint is she not exclaimed the highwayman dryly she is certainly of a religious turn of mind indeed i may say enthusiastically so answered villiers but she is extremely charitable and her benevolence embraces a very wide circle i believe she is a handsome woman too observed tom rain she is possessed of personal as well as mental attractions captain sparks responded villiers seriously but when in her society you would think of her only as the pious benevolent and compassionate woman whose heart is ever ready to sympathize with the woes of her fellow-creatures to speak candidly mr villiers said rainford i am no friend of the saints it may be a prejudice on my part but i can't help it excuse me for my frankness i beg of you to take it in good part still i always think that the stillest water runs deepest and i would not remember captain sparks interrupted villiers somewhat warmly that you are speaking of my aunt who is a most worthy and estimable woman deeply as i am indebted to you much as i am inclined to esteem you yet i understand you my dear villiers cried tom you cannot permit me to breathe even a suspicion against mrs slingsby in your presence well i know that it is most ungracious on my part still as i was more or less instrumental in introducing those two artless confiding young ladies to quit their father's home to abandon the paternal dwelling good heavens what do you mean ejaculated clarence now seriously alarmed i see that there is something at the bottom of all this captain sparks i implore you to explain yourself you are evidently well-intentioned you have shown the greatest friendship to me i reciprocate the feeling most cordially fear not then to speak my dear villiers answered the highwayman how can i enter upon particulars the narration of which would be most painful for you to hear and yet i should not be acting consistently with my duty towards those young ladies nor towards yourself who are about to make one of them your wife hesitate not speak freely exclaimed clarence seeing that his companion paused should the breath of scandal have wafted to your ear anything prejudicial to the character of my aunt i cannot blame your motive in confiding the fact to me and i the more earnestly solicit that you be frank and candid that is to act consistently with your nature which is all frankness and candour and reveal to me the cause of this distrust this want of confidence relative to mrs slingsby because i have no doubt of being able to convince you that you have been misled and should i succeed in convincing you to the contrary asked rainford then i should say that you have indeed performed the part of a friend replied villiers emphatically although i know beforehand that such a result is impossible yet for your complete satisfaction do i declare that should you prove my aunt to be in any way an unsuitable guardian for that dear girl adelais and her sister i shall conceive it to be my duty immediately to seek for them another home yes another home even for the few days that remain to be passed ere i shall acquire a right to protect adelais as her husband and rosamond as her brother you have spoken well and wisely villiers said rainford but i do not recommend any extreme measure which might only irritate your aunt and perhaps lead to the forced restoration of the young ladies to their father before you can have obtained the right you speak of i merely wish you to be on your guard but the grounds of your suspicion captain cried clarence impatiently pardon my interruption and pity my suspense 
i do both returned the highwayman and now remember that i am no mischief-maker between relations or friends and were it not for the peculiar circumstances of this case in which two innocent young ladies are concerned i should never have thought it worth while to utter a word of anything i know injurious to mrs slingsby's character no not even to unmask the most disgusting hypocrisy added rainford warmly do you still adieu to my aunt demanded clarence colouring with indignation i do but start not i am not seeking a quarrel with you villiers and you promised to listen patiently to no other living being should i have listened so patiently as i have already done to you said clarence but pray let us hasten to dispose of so disagreeable a topic in one way or the other i am most anxious to do so continued the highwayman do you know sir henry courtenay certainly he is my aunt's best friend and her lover added rainford coolly villiers started from his seat exclaiming captain sparks you presume upon the obligation which i owe you to calumniate then good evening mr villiers interrupted the highwayman if this is the fair and impartial hearing which you promise to give me if this is the manner in which you treat one who has not cannot have an improper motive in offering you wise counsel stay my dear friend stay exclaimed clarence actively thrusting rainford back into his seat and pray forgive my impetuosity but this accusation so sudden so unexpected so very strange and yet it is substantially true added rainford emphatically and it is proper that you should know it for my part i am not the man to name mrs slingsby for having a lover nor yet the lover for having her as his mistress it's human nature both ways but when i know that she has been entrusted by you with the guardianship of two young ladies of tender age and spotless innocence and one of whom is so very very dear to you i consider it necessary for you to be enlightened as to her true character i've no doubt that you must feel deeply this communication but it is better for you to learn that your aunt is something that she ought not to be than to find out when it is too late that your wife or her sister have been corrupted by bad example clarence paced the room in an agitated manner and then at the expiration of a few minutes he turned suddenly exclaiming not for a moment captain sparks do i suspect you of any sinister object but you will pardon me for soliciting the proof of this charge which if substantiated must so completely and so painfully change my opinion of a relative whom i have until now vaunted as the pattern of virtue and propriety the mode of proving the charge may be left to yourself replied the highwayman did you ever hear the circumstances of your aunt's house being robbed by a boy to whom she gave a night's lodging some four or five years ago certainly exclaimed villiers i recollect the incident well mrs slingsby herself communicated it to me the ungrateful young villain i know that boy interrupted tom Rain dryly and i am convinced that he told me the truth when he declared that during the night or rather the portion of the night which he passed in mrs slingsby's house accident made him a witness to a scene which leaves no doubt as to the fact that sir henry courtenay and mrs slingsby are as intimate as man and wife together and would you receive the testimony of a thief when well corroborated added the highwayman 
but how happened it that you should have any connection with this lad captain sparks demanded clarence in a cold and suspicious tone suppose that the boy has repented of his errors that he has merited my interest by a service which accident enabled him to render me that he related to me his entire history in which this incident is comprised and that on questioning him closely i learnt that the occurrence took place at the residence of your aunt i am bewildered amazed grieved profoundly grieved ejaculated villiers to suppose for an instant that this kind and affectionate relative who has always been so good to me and through whose bounty i am enabled to prepare and fit up a suitable dwelling for the reception of my beloved adelais to think that this much respected and long revered woman should conceal the greatest profligacy beneath the mask of charity and religion oh it is a cruel blow again i say that the mode of proving the charge may be left to yourself observed rainford seek an opportunity to be alone with mrs slingsby make some pointed allusion to the incident and mark how she receives it i will call at my aunt's residence to-morrow morning early the very first thing exclaimed villiers the whole affair is most serious and now that i can at length contemplate it with something bordering on calmness i am bound to confess but let us quit the topic he added in a tone of deep vexation in spite of his asserted self-possession and you bear me no ill-will for the course i have pursued said rainford far from it you have acted in the most friendly manner whatever the results may be cried villiers grasping the highwayman's hand most cordially i have performed a very painful duty rejoined tom and now i must take my leave of you perhaps for a long long time if not for ever farewell said clarence and may prosperity attend you in another clime farewell replied rainford and may you be happy with your adelais the highwaymen then hurried from the room considerably affected by this parting from one for whom he already experienced a most sincere regard nor was villiers unmoved by this farewell scene for on his side he was particularly attached to the individual who had not only rendered him so essential a service on that memorable night which first made them acquainted with each other but whose apparent frankness of disposition and manliness of character were well calculated to engage the good opinion of the confiding warm-hearted and unsuspecting clarence end of section forty five recording by gray clayton